That sounds awesome. And also like a train wreck waiting to happen. I can't wait. Let's do it. Our whole podcast sounds like a train wreck waiting to happen. <laughs> That's going to make the intro. <laughs> to make the intro. Welcome to the podcast you deserve. I'm Kyle. The one with the hat is Drew. And we got Brandon Rolf with us, the Red Ranger Ooh. himself. Uh, because we're talking Marvel this week. And there are no two other people I'd rather talk Marvel with. Um, I did say that tongue-in-cheek because I want the Drew who's not here to be hurt by this later on uh, when he watches. <laughs> You've got to bring um, in the experts, all right? I yeah. Mean, I don't know what... Because Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, which is, oddly enough, only like the third longest title that Marvel's come out with in a movie in the past two years. Isn't that wild that that's like on the shorter end of the movies that have come out, that title that's got 17 words in it? Um, and I've got mixed emotions. And I want to bounce some things off you guys because... Uh, you know, part of me really enjoyed some parts of this movie. And then other parts of the movie, I was like, I can't believe they're doing this to me. I can't, why would they, what did I do to deserve this? Um, so I want to hear if we kind of had the same thoughts on some of those, or if, uh, or, or maybe I overthought it. And maybe somebody's just willing to be like, Kyle, you're wrong. And here's why. And I'd love to hear why. Uh, I've listened to like two or three different reviews on this movie. And it uh, doesn't really seem like anybody's come to a consensus on whether or not it's good or bad or what, even less so. Um, did y'all see the Rotten Tomatoes scores for this movie? Uh, I I had seen them before the viewers, right? I had just seen the critic ones. I haven't seen what it is since it came out. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's not good. Well, so it's got a 48% tomato meter, which is the, it's now tied mm. for the lowest tomato meter of a Marvel movie, tied with not, the Incredible Hulk, which is what I thought it was, or Thor: The Dark World, it's tied with the the Eternals for the lowest. Oh, that rating. makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, right. Yeah, because I I refuse to believe that that is a Marvel movie. I, yeah, uh, it's easier. It was terrible. That's the worst. Not it's the worst. Yeah, but the audience score for Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania is eighty four percent. Um, which is high. So yeah, guess. yeah. I do like the cyclical nature of those numbers, though. I do like 48 and 84 being paired together. But I don't really... Um, normally, when uh, the critics and the uh, audience score are this far apart, normally that tells me, like, oh, I'm going to like that movie if it's the, yeah. the, if the audience score is way higher. Um, I'm not sure that that's the case on this one. Because mm. uh, um, th- first off, Jonathan Majors as Kang, I thought his performance was, like super incredible like maybe like all-time good like maybe like one of the best performances we've seen in the mcu thus far and maybe that's based on like where i think they can go with him and the fact that he got to be like 200 versions of himself at the end there uh but what did you guys think about jonathan majors because i thought kang was great i thought i thought he was great i i went in with really high expectations i it's hard not to compare him to Thanos because that's kind of like the big bad. That's like the pinnacle yeah. of excellence as a villain. I wish they would have just kind of let him just do what he does. He doesn't really have like a moral code. Like he'll just kill people to get what he wants. Like Thanos at least had like some moral high ground where he like cared about someone. He genuinely doesn't care about anyone. And I wish they would have shown that more. But in terms of like the acting and what he showed from his powers and everything, I think it was very well done. I'm excited for what he what he's going to do in King Dynasty. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah no, Secret I, Wars too. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I would agree. I thought I thought he did a great job, and 
I like seeing the subtle differences of like his character, his Kang character he played in um, Loki, Loki, and the Kang character he's played as the exile, and the Kang characters he played. Uh, you know when they get to the Council of Kangs later on in the cutscene. Yeah. Um, just there, there's some little nuances there. I thought that he did a really nice job with that, and I think that he is a very intimidating presence when he wants to be, and can also be a very like, "Hey, buddy, like I'm on your side." Like he's very manipulative, mm-hmm. yeah. and I thought Jonathan Majors crushed it as, yeah. as the bad guy. And I've got a question for you guys later on about where you think he's going. Um, but my favorite line, I think, in the movie is uh, when when Ant Man says, "I'm an Avenger. You messed the wrong guy." And he goes, "You're an Avenger. I killed you before." Or he said, "Are you the one with the hammer?" And I thought that was a great line. And then he yeah. asked, "I killed you before." Maybe that was in the. Was that just in the trailer? Or was that in the movie? No, that was that was. It, it yeah. was in the movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was right beforehand. I think but the first thing he says is, "Have I killed you before?" Yeah. And then he's like looking at him, and he's like, "Were you the one with the hammer?" Like. Mm-hmm. Which is wild because he's the one who he looks least like the guy with the hammer. Well, I, I um, love Paul Rudd's response when he was like, "I, I it happens a lot. Common misconception, similar body types. Body types. Yeah, <laughs> that was a great. And I think this movie actually did have really good like pockets of fun. Yeah. Um, I just think kind of the stuff in between was lacking more than they normally are. Um, so that that one I thought was great, and that also implies that obviously he's killed Thor before. And maybe yeah. foreshadows that that's how Chris Hemsworth Thor is going to go out, uh, a la Iron Man versus Thanos um, in the future, which I think that's cool. I think this movie did lay a lot of the groundwork for future movies, which I'm excited about. Um, but the one thing that I hate about movies is when you have a scene where a character who is obviously withholding information from another group of people, and, and they press on the character really hard. They're like, why won't you tell us? You need to tell us, you know, the thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the character, like, you know, kind of just looks off screen. And then it cuts to a different scene of a different yeah. characters doing different stuff. And then it comes back to that same set of characters. And they just moved on. And they yeah. just moved on to doing something completely different. And then the scene still ends with them being like, you, you still need to tell us what you're hiding from us. And then they I just, still can't believe that you're holding that back. And it's like, <laughs> how did you... What Where resolution did you come to in the first scene? Yeah. Because I don't know what kind of arguments you've ever been when in with other humans. Yeah. They never don't leave that alone. Mm-hmm. No. And then, uh, but that happened, I think, three different times. I'm pretty sure three scenes in a row ended with uh, Evangeline Lily's character, Hope. Hope asking Michelle Pfeiffer's character, Janet, to tell her about her time in the quantum realm. Yeah. And all three scenes in a row just end with her just looking off screen. And then coming back to them yeah, in five minutes somewhere. and be like, oh, everything's fine. Um, I, that really bothers me. And uh, they did that more times than I wanted them to uh, in this one. And then all, another one, another bit that uh, I think is a bad bit. If you had to guess, let's say Paul Rudd had 100 lines in this movie. How many of them either were just him going, Cassie! Or saying, I got to get to Cassie, or I've got to save Cassie. It seemed like I would say like 95% of his lines were Cassie, or I need to something for Cassie. Uh, did you guys get that same feel? That's all he said. Yeah. Where's Cassie? He yelled Cassie. When they, got, when they both got big and hugged, it was Cassie. And they <laughs> talked about being big. And that was, that, that's all I, I, I can't remember any significant lines other than him being like in the prison. Comparing himself yeah. to Thor, other than Cassie, I have to protect you, Cassie. We need to go home, Cassie. Cassie. 
<laughs> Cassie, then, uh, Cassie, Cassie. I, and it really stacked up there when he goes to steal the the multiverse engine or whatever. Yeah, and there's thousands and then, of him. And there's thousands of him, and they're all like, "We're doing it for Cassie, Cassie, Cassie." <laughs> yes. And like, it, it was like the uh, the Dark Knight scene where they're all chanting in the in the oh wow dome, you know? Yeah, uh, it's just like a whole. Yeah, yeah, just like one million people going Cassie. <laughs> at that moment, I was like, "We, I don't know who wrote this movie. Actually, I do know who wrote it, and that's a. That's, I need to get to that here a little bit too." I was like, "We, we could have done something with his lines a little bit." Also, like that in the first act of this movie, Cassie like hates her dad or like thinks he's the worst. Like, what have you done since you saved the world? Like, what a teenage girl thing to say. First off, and then secondly, in the second act, that's just gone. Like, as soon yeah. as they get to, to the quantum realm, she's like that. That bit, that storyline. No more. Doesn't ever okay. come up again. You're now bringing up my biggest pet peeve of this movie. Okay. And and who knows? This opinion may change throughout the podcast because I had several things. But right now, this is my biggest pet peeve. Uh, <laughs> there were like five different personal storylines going on in this movie. And we jumped to all of them so quickly and sporadically that I didn't end up caring about any of them. Exactly. That's like I was not emotionally tied to any of these characters. And yeah. it's because like, do I care about Michelle Pfeiffer and her past with Kang or like yeah. her with weird Bill relationship with Bill Murray <laughs> yeah. or her relationship with Hank Pym or her relationship with her daughter? Or do I care about Scott and his relationship with his daughter and his relationship with Hope? And or do I care about Modoc for some reason and whether he's a dick or not? because yes. <laughs> uh, apparently because apparently i was supposed to care about that sure yeah uh yeah. like i don't know there was just so many weird and do i care about the ooze guy i think i care about the ooze guy <laughs> and his obsession with holes more than anybody else that was the most genuine love of one person to a thing and it was the ooze and his love of the orifices and like that's weird <laughs> that's weird it was so hard to form a personal connection. It was almost like there was a show before this that like provided so much backstory, and then we jumped to the movie, and it's like, oh, we missed the show, so we don't understand any of these characters. Yeah, like we were expected to love so many, so many characters, so many moments, like Bill Murray, and then okay, we saw him for five minutes, and all his characters done, but he had a relationship, mm -hmm. and then Kang was with her for longer than Bill Murray was. So did they have a relationship? Which brings something up. They a thousand percent banged when they were in oh, that game trying to get out, right? Yeah, okay. That was, that was the vibes I was picking up. I was like, you, you've definitely got some little children Kang running around the quad. When, when Michelle Pfeiffer was like, I, yeah, when Michelle Pfeiffer was like, I had needs. needs. Yeah. And, he, and he, Hank Pym was like, I get it, I did too. Yeah, Ugh, well, there's a lot to unpack there. It's funny that you mentioned that because I, I literally forgot that Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly's characters were married or together in this movie, if it weren't for that first scene when they're shown drinking a beer together or him like going to the award ceremony together, because yep, they don't show they any don't moments show any moments between the two of them where that's like, oh, we're a couple. It's strictly platonic. What it seems. Yeah. She's probably just in it to be on his podcast in his book deal, um, which I get <laughs> mad respect for her, you know. Uh, she's running a billion dollar company of you know whatever, but she, yeah, she's in it for the podcast. Good point. He might be uh, he might be doing that on on his own. Um, oh, another thing for you guys: the scale of this movie 
was so hard for me to keep up with. So I saw this movie twice. The first time, I, I usually like to see them twice because I'm super on edge to be like, oh, would this be like the perfect movie? And then, and then I go to see it just to enjoy it, right? And both times, I was so confused at all times because they're in the quantum realm, which is so small. It's microscopic. You, know, you yeah. have to be tiny to get in there. But then universes like in, in worlds yeah. inside of our own or whatever. Yeah. But then they use, they use their PIM particles to shrink again while mm-hmm. in the quantum realm many times and also to grow giant while in the quantum realm, which is, I thought how they got out of the quantum realm in the first place. Uh, and, and at one point, like in the movie, I just was like, I can't tell if they're both giant or if they're both tiny or if they're regular sized. And it was so hard to keep track of when Cassie and and, and uh, Scott were hugging when they're both giant form. Like it just kind of looked like two regular sized oh people. But it, I, I was so confused. Like I was lost. I was like, maybe that's part of it. Maybe that was like part of the joy was to just be like, kind of don't understand what's going on here or what size anybody is or why we should care about any of these people. But they look like they're having fun. So that can only take you so far. But the, the, the scale of this movie to me is just like, what's going on? Uh, I'll say also on the the idea of the world itself that they're in. I get it. The quantum realm is huge and varied and very different or whatever. But the fact that it holds almost no similarities to anything we had seen previously yeah. was frustrating. That they yeah. were like, ooh, we actually need this now. And uh, we don't want it to be anything like it was 10 years ago. How do we change that? And they're like, just, they did a thank you for smokingism, uh, coined by our friend Kyle Cox here. And they were like, oh, just say that, like, it's totally different worlds. And yeah, like, yeah. ah, you can do whatever you want you here. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Welcome to Who's um, Line Is It Anyway, where the points don't matter and the rules are all made up. Yeah, there you go. The, uh, while those things all kind of bothered me, nothing like about that like pissed me off or made me think, oh, this movie sucks. <sighs> Until they brought Modoc. Until they brought Modoc on screen. And uh at first when he showed up and he had the and he had the mask on, I was like, Oh heck yeah. Like that's pretty yeah. cool. If you like uh, ever read the comics or whatever, Modoc can be kind of like not terrible. Um if you ever saw him in like the animated uh series. He's terrified and like is an awesome character. Uh, and then this one, I have so many questions. Why didn't they just make him look like um, Corey Stoll, uh, the the actor who plays Darren Cross or Darren Chris, Darren Cross? Why did they just make him look like that? Why did they? Why did his face look so different than what the actor's face looks like? That really bothered me. What do you mean? That's what his that's what his face looks like. They just oh, no. they just spread it out. Oh no. I you you need to see a picture of what <laughs> of what Corey Stoll looks like again because it was they did not look uh, Rolf, am I wrong? No, it looked nothing like him. I'm gonna, Thank you. Yeah, this, yeah this you've taken crazy Modoc as a whole was one of my main points. So I'm I'm, gonna, I'm sitting Okay, well you take you take the ball and run yeah, because I've got I've got some I've got some beef. My, my main issue with with what Marvel does is they get really cool characters who like are supposed to be like superior. They're supposed to be good at killing people. They're supposed to be bad guys. They're supposed to be his name. Yeah. Like, his name is Modoc. And he killed no people. 
during the entirety of the movie. Couldn't kill Ant Man's daughter, who just learned how to like be a superhero, and chased yeah. her for twenty minutes, and then died, and then said, "Oh, I'm not a dick," and then died again. Like it, it and the whole time I'm sitting there, and like my girlfriend's loving it because it's entertaining and it's colors, and he has a big head and it's funny for kids. <laughs> but for me, it's okay. He's got. He's got razors and lasers and every weapon possible because that's what he was like built to do was to kill people. Yeah. And he's making jokes and one-liners and talking about he's not a dick and he's having uh, life issues. And I don't, I don't want to see your life issues. I want to see what <laughs> you're there to do. Like go, yeah. go wipe out a community. Go do something. Like you're bad at your job. Wipe out. A, you're bad at your job. You were designed for this and you're bad at it. Yeah. That's I, I couldn't agree more with you. This is one of my big pet peeves that. Um, I think superhero movies do a lot where they set up a mini boss for you that you know by brand recognition. You're like, oh, we know you guys like this guy. Look how cool he is. And then he goes down immediately because yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, the good guys win again. You're like, that that just cheapens the bad guy. Like, why did you why did you ruin this for me? I'd rather him not be here than you. Yes. Then you make him totally suck. Yeah. No, I'm, I think that you could have done this movie without MODOK and without the Bill Murray thing. Mm -hmm. And you take those things out, you could have found a more interesting way to have them split up and have to find each other. And I don't know, maybe actually fight Kang uh, or have Kang, you know, have them on the run from Kang as opposed to Kang sitting in his tower waiting for them to show up to him, I guess. Doesn't. A lot of this doesn't make sense. You the only about... reason the only reason Michael Douglas is in this movie is so that he can show up with ants at the end. At the, oh my yeah, God. yeah. He does nothing. Tough. He adds yeah. nothing to this movie. And Michael Douglas is great. I love Michael yeah. Douglas. Who doesn't? But yeah. he literally adds nothing to this movie until the very end when he shows up with an army of ants. That like clearly he's going to show up with an army of ants. When in the first five <laughs> minutes of the movie, he's like, look, my ants invented their own tech. Look how smart they are. And yeah. then you clearly see them also get sucked into the quantum realm. And you're like, all right, well, they're going to show up later with their tech. So that's going to be important. This was, this was nitpicky. But like two separate times that I counted on my second viewing, the camera cuts to a single shot of him like grabbing at his ear and being like, ah, and then just like going on through the scene. Whereas like you could have had, which is obviously he's like talking to the ants or he's hearing the ants. But like you could have had him like in the background of a scene, like like poking at his ear or whatever, and then and then it's like an aha reveal, like oh that's what they were doing, and not like a okay when is he going to show up with the ants because he's obviously going to show up with the ants soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you mentioned it cheapening the character, Modok, which I'm not going to fight you on that. I thought something else that was really poor writing is the the huge sacrifice that Scott makes at the end which is he's going to push his daughter through the portal and he's going to stay there and fight it out with Kang to the bitter end. He's going to sacrifice his life or his opportunity to go back and be with his daughter, which as we've heard, every single line of his movie is the is most that he wants to get thing. to Cassie. Yes. It's the only thing that matters. At that point, I was like, oh, this movie won me over. Like He just made a yes. huge sacrifice. Like, that's awesome. And then it turns out that the portal just opens back up at the end and then they just step through it and go home. Like Hope and, and Scott made a huge sacrifice that was awesome and like very, very cool thematically. And like, how heartbreaking is it? It's very, we've made it very clear what this character wants in this movie. 
and he's going to choose not to have that, you know, for her, the safety of his daughter. That's beautiful. Ugh. Cheapening that by just having them open the portal back up at the end, I was like, no, red flag. I throw a flag on this flag, I challenge this ending, because that's some BS. I was mad about that. The and it did problem, cheapen, yeah. The problem I have with that entire final scene, if it didn't start with Kang, yeah, he, sure, sure his suit was like destroyed, but it's still Kang. Like Kang versus Ant-Man in a fight, it's, it's not going to be a fight. So he starts beating him up, beating him up, beating him up. After that, like he's survived every attack put on him, he's Kang. Then right as he's about to jump through the portal, the wasp in her little pea wrist shooters is enough yes. to shoot him farther enough back, back into his into his ship, and that kills him. Yeah. Yeah. And then That's it closes, and, and I'm like, okay, at least okay, it adds something. They're they're trapped there, it builds something. Now that Cassie has something to be, you can develop her character. Then she just goes the entire time. So the entire time she can make portals to the quantum realm whenever she wants. She can just control all yeah. delete. Oh, I'm going there. <laughs> control delete and we're back. And she does it like yeah. five seconds. So she knew how to do it the entire time. I think uh, upon second viewing, I think it's implied that Janet figures out how to use the little circle thing to open up the portal from Cassie's radar deal. The problem is with that, which then she could then reverse engineer to open it up the other way. The problem with that is the little circle machine deal got sucked into the tinier quantum realm when Ant-Man put all the things on it and Jonathan Majors got sucked away, hopefully just waiting for the sequel or another movie. Um, that thing is now gone. The thing that you used to open that portal up, that's a bad writing. And I'm not like, you know, you want Ant-Man to be back on Earth. Like, I get it. There's probably another movie he's got to be in or, you know, whatever. We don't want to go through this trauma for, for Cassie as she becomes Stinger or Stature or whichever version they're going with in the MCU. Uh, but I was like, that's just bad writing. It's lazy writing is what that is. And that's what makes me upset. Uh, so when I saw this in theaters and, uh, man, when Paul Rudd turns and is like, I'm going to, like, pushes Cassie through, I was like, yes, sacrifice, love it, like, Oh, something finally an emotional payoff in this movie. Mm -hmm. And then when Hope comes back and steps through it as well, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. You guys are in love. You didn't like yeah, right? talk about this anywhere else in the movie. But like mm -hmm. here it is, a final act of devotion and love. And then the portal closes. Kang is gone. And they're just sitting there looking over the ruined city and watching all the refugees and the freedom fighters or whatever. And I started thinking, like, what are they going to do? Are they going to set up a, a government yeah. here? How are yeah. they going to rule this? Are they going to be the new conquerors? Are they going to divide it up into little, you know, territories? How are they going to govern all that? <laughs> I'm starting to think through literally the the government that Ant-Man and the Wasp are about to establish in the quantum realm. <laughs> and then the portal just opened behind yeah. them. And I was like, nothing matters yeah. This is horrible, and yeah. you just ripped every emotional payoff I just got away from me. And yeah. if you watch, as soon as the portal opens and they're facing away, they say, let's go home, as if they knew. Yeah, they just knew. They knew. Which, uh, so all this brings, we, we skipped over my favorite line, uh, which was, as the Rebel Alliance is trying to take down Kings. Oh, Crawford, I want to go over how this is just Star Wars Episode Six with you. Okay. Um, at the end. Um, cause there's more similarities than you want there to be. Um, 
when when he's taking out the rebel force by himself and blowing people up, he says, you think you can beat me? I am Kang. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's about to kill a bunch of people. And he did. But He did kill a lot he, of people. And he did. Pretty know. cool. That was awesome. That was the best part of the movie, I think. But then minutes later, after he said, "I, you can't defeat me. I am Kang. Really cool. He gets his ass handed to him by a bunch of ants. To the point where then now, as he's drug off and he gets to come back for the final fight, I mean, I get, I get that Kang is, for those who don't know, not comic uh, readers, Kang is just very high tech, like a Tony Stark from the future, really a Reed Richards descendant from the future. So his suit is like what makes him, you know, powerful or whatever. I get it. I understand that. I also understand physics. Jonathan Major, let's just take let's take the names out of it, the characters out of it. Jonathan Majors loses to Paul Rudd in a fist fight, man to man, with with the world on the line, with everything I, on the line. I don't think so. I choose I choose to not believe that. Coming I mean, soon, Creed three. <laughs> exactly. I mean, so if you remember when we were introduced to Thanos, or like really Thanos's real true introduction, which was Infinity War where he steps off into the plane. He beats the Hulk in hand-to-hand combat and then snaps Loki's neck and then then shoots Thor out into space. And you're like, oh no, like this guy, did you, you do not want to mess with this guy. Like, you know that from the jump. We just saw Kang get beaten by some ants and Paul Rudd in a fist fight. And that really pisses me off because Kang is so cool. And that was definitively uncool. Like, I get that his tech was broken. His his suit was broken. But, like, it's Paul Rudd. What are we doing here? What are we doing? It took all his credibility away from him, in my opinion. Right? It just... Yeah. Like, like the first 10 minutes when I was watching Infinity War, when he beats up Hulk and just, like, you don't expect Hulk to just get beat up the way he was. Yeah. And you see him just lay on the ground, you're like, oh, my goodness. At that point, I'm thinking, oh, they might lose. At yeah. no point in this movie did I think, oh, Ant-Man's going to lose it all. They're going to lose. I didn't See, think that I, one I, The whole movie, I was like, well, there's no way Ant-Man lives because he's way outmatched here. And then he does. And I was like, huh. That's, oh, he had that's the a little weird. Cassian family behind him. And that's, that's why yeah. I'm going to go. He's going to get his daughter back. Big happy family, happy ending. So I wanted to ask you guys, is Kang gone? Now there's there's twofold. Uh, you got to see the Council of the Kangs, so you saw all the different variants of Kang at the end, which was neat. Um, they they showed most of the famous ones that I can remember. Um, but is that version of Kang? Because that Kang the Conqueror, that background story, which we didn't get a lot of, um, but he's that's the Kang the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. He's the one that's either so bad they had to send him into a, another universe, or he was the only good one who was trying to stop them. I didn't really think that one all the way through. Mm-hmm. No, he was the worst one that they had to get away. If that is he now just gone and we're just expecting different variants to pop up? Because uh, I really, I really liked that one for up until the last fifteen minutes of the movie. So I don't, I don't think he's gone. And there's a version in the comic books I know kind of vaguely because reading it like when I was way, way younger. But there's a version called the Beyonder, and I think yeah. he was sent where the Beyonder was. That's where I think he is. I think that's where he's now going to reside. And oh, that's where he cool. becomes the, like, the strongest form of himself. I think that's where he's going to come back for Kang Dynasty. Okay. I could buy that. Uh, is it the Beyonder or Immortus? I think it's Beyonder. Mm, okay. 
I reserve. I'm going to tell you that you're wrong, but I reserve the right to also be wrong telling you that you're wrong. We we have done a lot of pointing out some some faults in this movie because there's a lot of them. So I, sure. I don't. We're not wrong for doing that, but I did want to say I did enjoy seeing the movie. Right. I don't think it was a good movie. Yeah. But I at least had fun as the experience of seeing it. Now, the moment the credits rolled, I looked at the guy next to me and was like, that was a bad movie. But, like, I'm not <laughs> mad that I saw it. Yeah, I agree. You know, agree so to speak. Um, I think it was I, a fun movie that was poorly written, and it had too high of stakes attached to it. It was never going to live up to that. I completely, I disagree with both points. I did oh, not wow. have fun. I did not have fun. I did not enjoy the movie process of seeing it. Like, if I could not see that movie, I'd be okay. Oh, I, Wow. I, that I was, I think that's the most like angry I've ever been waiting for a Marvel movie to end. <laughs> More than, than Eternals? Than Eternals, than Love and Thunder, than Incredible Hole, than anything I've ever seen. Like I'm sitting there and I'm checking my phone, like, okay, it's almost over. It's almost over. It's almost no. over. No. I'm sitting there waiting for the end credits, just waiting for it to be over so I can storm out and go in my <laughs> right car. But I was, I didn't have fun. I was like, entire movie, I'm like, who is this? Is this for kids? Is this for people who don't watch comic books? Okay, yeah. then why are we putting so many people who are in comic books in the movie? Let's just make it fun. Let's make it what what are we doing this for? Like, yeah. I don't I just feel like they could have set they could have got the same effect setting up what they're trying to set up in Loki. We didn't need this movie. That's fair. Yeah, I was trying to think of like the uh, hero's journey. Like how is the hero different at the end of this movie than he was at the beginning of the movie? And I got nothing. <laughs> I got I got no way was he different. Um, other than like, he's questioning whether or not he did was he did the right thing by killing Kang the Conqueror, which I'm really hoping he didn't do. Uh, but yeah, that I don't know, I don't know. And I I came to this conclusion because I too thought I enjoyed the movie, but I think it was a bad movie on Abed's scale of good movie or bad movie. I think it's a good bad movie, um, and I I would watch it again. I'll see it a third time at some point. Um, hopefully on Disney Plus, or I'm not paying for it again. Um, just because Jonathan Majors, I thought was great. Uh, but here's my thought. We are so spoiled because we got the Infinity Saga, and, and we got Infinity War, and then they made us wait a year, and there's all that anticipation and build up to get Endgame, and it was beautiful. And, and really, I feel kind of like now I've come to grips with myself that, like, that should have been enough, you know? Like, that was... That was that was the cake. They made the cake, and everything after that is just icing on the cake. And I'm not a big chocolate cake fan, you know. I don't like strawberry cake at all. I will never put strawberry icing on a on a cake if it's got if I got my choice. So like you're gonna get your say your Eternals, your Thor Love and Thunders, your Shang Chi's. I like Shang Chi. Didn't like the other two. And this movie and Black Widow kind of hit or miss. More misses than hits lately. And I feel like the way that I'm going to approach the MCU from now on is that like my MCU was the infinity saga and everything that happens afterwards. Like I'm just going to say, this is icing and I'm either going to put it on my cake or I'm not, and I'm not going to let it ruin my cake anymore. I don't think because Thor love and thunder, like nearly broke me. I was nearly a broken man after that movie being like, what matters? What is truth? And now I'm just like, you know what? I mean, I'll enjoy a Paul Rudd movie. And I won't have to think about it again afterwards. And if they totally blow Secret Wars, which I really hope they don't, 
like, you know, I already had the Infinity Saga. I'm going to make my kid watch all of the Infinity Saga, and I will just cherry pick what I like from that afterwards. I'm even going to make her sit through the Incredible Hulk in Dark World because uh, you need to do it. But yeah. uh, that's kind of my new stance. I'm going to try not to be so mad and angry and sad when it comes to the MCU because it was so beautiful for such a long amount of time, longer than we deserved. And it gave us a better conclusion than we deserved. And now I think I'm just going to view it as I will take or leave whatever comes after and I will try to appropriately get hyped up for like each one separately, you know? Whereas I, I think I built up quantum mania too much in my head to be like, oh, Kang, yes, let's do it. And and then at the end of the movie, I was like, oh, no, Kang, they did that? Why? <laughs> and so I think, um, I think you know, for Thunderbolts and uh, for the Kang Dynasty and uh, for Secret Wars coming out, like, I'm going to approach them with a much more mild expectation, um, which, you know, it's just like a regular fan going to see a movie now, which is kind of sad because it was different. For for a decade and a half, it was it was a way different feeling. But you know, you win some, you lose some. What do you think, Drew? Is that a is that a nihilist way of looking at it? Well, oh, I see Rolf shaking his head. Where where are you at, man? What are you thinking? I'm gonna be pissed off in every Marvel movie until I'm done. <laughs> I'm, maybe I've been spoiled. Like, at this point in time, there's no way I can get hyped for the Marvels. Like, I, there's I, nothing anybody can do to make me get hyped no, for I was so I was so excited for Multiverse of Madness. It was oh, it was okay. Oh, see, I like that one. It was it was cool. There just wasn't enough, like, Multiverse of Madness. There should have been more sure. things there. There should have been more twists and turns. But that's nitpicky. It was a good movie. Love and Thunder. Wanted to leave. I about walked out. As soon as Zeus was... Talking yeah. about orgies and not that was kind of the, giving a threat. That I was, was kind of the like, tipping point for me, too. I was yeah. like, I'm going to leave. So for me, it's just like, I can remember the excitement of like going to see Endgame mm-hmm. and just knowing a little bit about the movie and like, oh, I can spoil it for people, da, 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 but I'm still going to go see it. I'm, I'm going th- I'm going Thursday at this time. I bought my tickets months in advance. And now it's just yeah. like, oh, well, I mean, I'm going to get my tickets early, but I'm not like super. <laughs> I'll excited. still go. Yeah. I'm still going to go. But I just I don't have that feeling walking into it. I haven't had that feeling probably since No Way Home. But I mean, I I went in with a big big expectations Man. for No Way Home, and I'm, obviously I'm naming like the big the juggernauts of the MCU. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping yeah. Tom Holland can uh, can rally the troops with She Hulk yeah. and and whoever else he gets. On oh this Lord, terrible <laughs> Avengers team that I'm gonna be pissed off about. Yes. I'm just I'm choosing to just be happy that it happened and and just. Try to move on. <laughs> so I, I will say this. Uh, you guys both mentioned, like, maybe we were just spoiled. You know, we got Infinity Saga. I'll, we got such great movies and writing and arcs and emotional payoffs yeah. from Marvel movies that I know I know they can do it. I know it's in there. Yeah. And now, in a post-Deadpool-type society, where we've seen movies that are ironically funny pointing out the things about superhero movies. Sure. Whenever you do one of those tropes that Deadpool would make fun of, I hate it even more because I'm I'm just so aware of it. And you did it not ironically. You did it mm-hmm. totally being like, isn't this a great movie device that we did? And Ant-Man did all of them. Like all I didn't see the superhero them. landing, but yeah. I'm sure there was so one. Bad there had knees. to be one. So bad for your knees. Yeah. But I mean, like, 
There were so many things that I was like, oh, that would have been a funny thing for Ant-Man to do if it was ironic. Like, if he had kind of, like, cheated the camera and been like, ha-ha, right? Like, yeah. Or, you know, made some kind of quip to hope about, like, isn't that funny how this is, like, what all the other real superheroes do? But, like, that's not what they did. They weren't ironically funny about it. They were just like, this is what everybody wants. And it uh, it was so sad because I know they can do better. We've all experienced them doing better. Yeah. Um, and even recently, like what you talked about, Rolf, like I thought Multiverse of Madness was good. I thought that uh, No Way Home was was great. I loved that movie. Um, the, I thought Loki was really good. Like they mm-hmm. can even do it in their TV shows as well. But it's just so sporadic now. It's you're almost pleasantly surprised when you get a really good one, as opposed yeah. to it was the it was the standard previously. Dude, the fact that the same team made WandaVision and She-Hulk, like not the same writers and directors, but the same company did that is like what? I don't even understand on She-Hulk. You, <laughs> yeah, we don't. There's not enough time in the oh, in the night, goodness. you know. Um, the director or no, the writer of uh, this movie, Quantumania, Jeff Loveness, I think is his name. He was a former Rick and Morty writer, and he's also been hired to write uh, the Kang Dynasty, which does not fire me up. But it's good that I know that now. I would like to rewatch this video, getting ready for for when that movie comes out in three years, to be like, hey, remember, you weren't excited about this, so just you know, go in knowing you weren't excited. Um, another thing that was wasted, y'all, y'all never watched um, The Good Place, right? I did. You did? Okay, um, I can't remember his name. William uh, Jackson Harper. Uh, Cheaty from The Good Place. The, yeah. uh, the telepath? Yes. So William Jackson Harper in The Good Place is like one of the best sitcom characters of all time. He's hysterical. He's so good. I kind of thought he'd actually be a really good Reed Richards for the MCU. I thought he would actually make like a funny, mm. like a good funny spin on like the... Uh, the mad scientist who like can't relate to people because that's basically what he was in the good place. Um, a philosopher that couldn't relate to people. And when I saw he was in this movie, I was like, Oh, you know, maybe they're setting something up for fantastic four. Shouldn't have thought that when I realized that he wasn't going to be Reed Richards, I was like, Oh, I bet he gets a really cool part. And then he doesn't get a really cool part. And I was like, we just wasted a great actor the, for this. The only reason he's in that movie is to get a bridge code. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's another part. That's another whole part you could have taken out of this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, Rolf, you're not a Star Wars guy, right? No. Yeah, your nerddom has, like, some, like, cutoff. <laughs> okay, well, just, you know, earmuffs for this last part here. Uh, Crawford, um, small group of misfits, uh, takes on an evil emperor uh, yeah. who is quickly defeated by his right-hand uh, man who is a killing machine. Yeah. Uh, who turns on the emperor in the last act uh, to save the good guys? And Am has some about... kind of personal relationship with with the protagonist. Yeah. Am I talking about Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania or uh, Star Wars Episode Six? Ah, man, that what a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, how did you ruin Star Wars for me? Also, while also yeah. ruining the it's just like you didn't have you didn't have to ruin Kang, Modok, and Star Wars for me all in one movie. But you did. Yeah, tough. They wasted William Jackson Harper's character. They wasted Bill Murray's character. They almost wasted King the Conqueror. Like, there's a decent chance they actually did waste King the Conqueror, uh, who is, like, one of the 
coolest, baddest villains of all time. So I think the writing for this movie is really, really tough. I think Paul Rudd's great. Um, I even thought that the girl who played Cassie gave a pretty good performance. She I did not terrible. love... Okay, well, the, and there's the other side to that coin. Oh, you agree. Okay. Yeah. I thought her speech at the end to rally the troops was uh, not good. But when are those speeches ever good? No, you know? but her speech but her speech to change MODOK was was really good, though. <laughs> Don't be a dick. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I know. And then also her, uh, like, emotional struggle with her father yeah, uh, at the beginning of the movie. Of, of, you know, the, like, you don't understand me. Let me, let me, uh, that was really good. Me, I, I believe that one a lot. Let me backpedal this just a bit. I thought the performance of Cassie was really good. I thought she did like some really cool character stuff, like just with her face and reactions that she did. I think the writing for this movie was terrible. I think that everyone's part was written poorly. I think the structure of the plot was written poorly. I think the whole thing was, was not a good thing from the writing, but the visual effects I thought were really good. I thought there were some performances here and there that were all really good. Um, I just can't. I uh, this is this is the icing that I'm not going to choose to put on my cake, which is fine. I don't need to eat cake anyways. You know, had had my fill. Cassie, uh, from the moment that she sent them there, because it was her fault, and sure. they kinda, they ignored that because I guess she's a kid, but or whatever. Yeah, she sent them there, and then she wants to go help everybody, and that's her character arc. She's different than the Avengers who you know, help literally helped everyone. <laughs> but she, but yeah. she's she's going to stop protests and she's a freedom fighter. Yeah. She's so different. Yeah. She No one understands her and, and her acting was terrible. She wasn't a good actor. Like what's oh, all like, right. And then she gave that inspiring speech where she yeah, quoted her dad's book. Who great. is going to go fight for her? If I would have seen that, oh yeah, I'm going to go risk my life. And those people died because of that speech. A lot of that. 300 people within 30 seconds. Yeah, you never really think about the casualties. But, no, I am, but I am glad that the heroes, after letting all of these people die horrific deaths and Just upend their away. lives entirely, stayed around to help them uh, rebuild and give some guidance. Uh, I'm glad that they didn't leave a power vacuum in a universe beneath our universe, uh, which apparently is incredibly important. Uh, I'm glad that they they're gonna make frequent trips to really ensure set up the next the, regime. Yeah. There, there's there's peace between yeah. worlds. They just oh left. my god! They and they look like who the cares? They just too. GTFO. They're like who who cares about these people? Yeah, you know, uh, th like on the the worst outcome of that is like you go back to the quantum realm in like 20 years and like the ants have just enslaved all of the yes. other people oh, that oh are down God. there you, and they're like oh, building pyramids for the did, ants and didn't stuff. even think about the fact that they brought in sentient technologically advanced <laughs> ants they they introduced an invasive species <laughs> killed the only defender and source of government they had and then peace <laughs> just out just good luck and then all the way out he was like for Cassie! I then just left. <laughs> In 40 years, the Quantum Realms turned into like the Terminator series. It's just yes. like, oh no, Kang was way better than all these it ants. Turns out, it turns out in like 40 years, people for, like freedom fighters have come up again and they are sending people into the past to kill Scott Lang. <laughs> 
so that he doesn't go there and up in and introduce the ant like revolution overlords. It's it's just the plot of Terminator over and over. That'd be amazing. I I really hope that's the one truth I'm on that Kang was talking about that he wants to keep secure. The um, one where, where amazing. Meets Terminator. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's anything that's going to top that little bit. <laughs> just oh my god! Do they have any final thoughts for the movie other than Rolf? You seem to really like it. Oh yeah, it was a, I'm, I'm, it's, it's up there for me. Yeah, it's what I it seemed like. I a tear when it was over. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's what it seemed like. Yeah, Crawford, final thoughts for you? No, I, I am more upset about what's happening inside the political <laughs> structure of the quantum verse than I am about anything that has to do with Scott Lang. <laughs> I will say this. The last thought I have is I was frustrated that like Ant-Man, the, the movie, right, was built on like this is a heist movie, right? Mm-hmm. This is back when Marvel was like, we're doing different types of genres inside of superhero movies, right? Like... Ant-Man's a heist movie. Uh, Captain America's Civil War is a spy movie. Stuff like that. And this movie was not a heist movie. Mm-hmm. They they tried to, like, hey, he's going to steal something. Which he didn't. <laughs> he well, shrunk, he, he sh- well, he shrunk a thing that was being Which defended by... He steals things, yeah. Multiverse of Madness? Like, it was not... It was not a heist. No, I think your point, uh, Ant-Man was fun because it matched the scale. The scale of the movie matched the scale of the superhero. It's yes. a tiny movie inside a large world, and it was a fun kind of reprieve from everything else. Ant-Man and the Wasp matches scale again, where it uh, is mainly a small story of small characters. And then they decided to throw these small characters against the biggest bad that the universe has ever seen. And they beat him somehow, and that is kind of where we we're off the tracks now. We're off the rails now. So I'd like to say I'm excited to see what Marvel does next. Um, but truthfully, I think I am a little broken inside now. I I do think that this movie broke Thor: Love and Thunder really broke me, and this movie was like and and here's the here's the pen that breaks the back in in general. So um, yeah. Guys, Michael Douglas in every single Marvel movie from now on doesn't just say ants. <laughs> ants. I. That's all he did in this movie. That's all he said. Yeah. Just ants. The ants. That I would have broken you out with ants. The ants can do it. Look at this pizza I made. Ants. <laughs> yes. I can't fight that. I can't fight that. Um. Well, Rolf, thanks for joining us. I hope you feel better after you got that off your chest. Uh, I feel better. Yeah, I've, uh, and now I don't know if I'm asleep tonight because I'm going to be trying to play out this Terminator uh, theory (laughs) in my head to figure out what's going on down in the quantum realm. And uh, I'm actually would be more excited to see that movie than I am to see the Marvels. So, uh, oh my God. Neither, neither here nor there. Thanks for joining this episode, not the podcast you deserve. We'll catch you next time.